Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. So tonight's episode of Life on Pause is going to be navigating graduation during or after a cancer diagnosis. My name is Lexi and I'm hosting tonight's podcast and we're going to start off with a little bit of introductions, a thumbnail sketch of your name, diagnosis, where you're graduating from, and what's next. So I'm Lex. I was diagnosed with lymphoma in 2018 when I was a sophomore at Penn State studying nursing. I underwent roughly six months of chemo, finished in August of 2018, and I have been in remission since. I just graduated this past May, and I'm going to be an emergency room registered nurse, and I start in July, and I'm super excited. I'm going to popcorn to Nathan. Hello, as you heard, my name is Nathan. I was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma back at the end of seventh grade. I'm sorry, I can't give you a year. I went through 54 weeks of chemo, and I think I'm four years from remission in July. I just graduated CV. I'm going to go to Penn College of Technology for aviation maintenance, and it's going to be fun. I'm going to popcorn Tony. We'll keep the dynamic there. My name is uh, Tony Campisi. I was initially diagnosed with brain cancer at the age of four. I was uh, treated on and off until 2013. After seven years, I was having yearly MRIs, and uh, last year was seven years of remission. And unfortunately, my cancer has come back. I've been taking oral meds, but uh, recently, cancer's built up an immunity to it, and I'm going to have to go get uh, proton radiation down a chop. But I have a positive attitude towards it, and I know I'm going to be fine. And I've also just recently graduated from Cumberland Valley High School. So with that being said, I'm going to popcorn to Lauren. My name is Lauren Kaufman. I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2020. I've been in remission since November. Next month will be my year anniversary of my first chemo treatment. I went through four months of chemotherapy, um, and um, I'm a little bit removed from graduating. I'm a little bit older than I care to admit, but um, I like coming in here and being able to learn from everybody else and share, and I'm really, really looking forward to learning a lot tonight. My name's Mary. I was diagnosed with appendinoma on February 6th of 2006. I was three years old. I was treated for about three months until of three months of radiation. And then I had my five years cancer free in 2011. I am currently still going back for MRIs. I have now graduated to once every two years instead of one. And I just graduated from LS Lampeter Strasburg High School. And at the moment, I'm going to be taking a gap year and I'm going to take some trips around the country and have a little fun before I sit behind the desk at college. Hi, I'm Sydney. I was diagnosed with ependymoma when I was two years old in 2005. Since then, I go back to Hershey once a year for an MRI. I just graduated from Hemfield High School in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
And next year, I'm going to Penn State Altoona, and I'm studying human development and family studies, and I want to be a child life specialist. So my name is Bree. I was diagnosed in 2018 with lymphoma. I was a student at Penn State, and I underwent half a year of treatment. I graduated actually last August, so it'll be a year in a few months, which just makes me sad. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited for all of these recent grads um, that you're all here. My name's Liberty. My type of cancer was a brain cancer called medulloblastoma. I just graduated high school on May 27th, and I am going to be working at a child care center. Right now, I am doing employment and training for to get ready to do my job. And my cancer, my chemotherapy, like in everything lasted a year and a half and I have been cancer free for 11 years. I graduated from Slipper Rock University in 2017 and I didn't get diagnosed till 2019. So it was like that awkward time where like you're supposed to be an adult I guess and like have a job and all that jazz. My name is Colton. I was diagnosed Shortly after becoming 17, about a month after, I was diagnosed with lymphoblastic leukemia. It hit me in school for a while, but I was able to get back in this year and graduate with my class. I'm still being treated monthly, but it's a lot better than what I had to deal with before. Um, I'm planning to go to Susquehanna University for creative writing. Awesome. So I think that is everybody, everybody's introduction. So the first question we have on the floor was, has your cancer diagnosis or treatment influenced your next steps after graduation? And if so, how? So for example, I was set to graduate in 2020. Because of my treatment, I had to take a year off of school. And so all my friends that I had gotten to know in my class moved on. And I kind of had to step back and re-meet everybody in my new class uh, with my nursing students because we're kind of smaller. At first, I thought this was a huge bummer, but it was actually a silver lining because I got an extra year of college. and. An extra year of college is an awesome thing. You'll learn my young high school graduates stay in college forever. So does anybody else want to add on to that, how cancer has affected your steps after graduation or during? Obviously, I had a child life specialist when I was going through treatment when I was younger. And I don't really remember much from when I was diagnosed because I was so young. And the one thing I do remember is how much the child life specialist helped me I don't specifically remember everything they did and how exactly they helped me, but I do have a little bit of a memory of how they impacted me. So that kind of impacted that I want to be a child life specialist and I want to give back in that way. Obviously, since I just graduated and my cancer was five years ago, it didn't affect my graduation, but I was out of school the entirety of my eighth grade year. And I feel like some of my like a big part of being friends with someone in school is that you see them every day. And like, it's an easy connection to keep up. When I it went from that and being at summer camp to, I don't remember seeing anybody like at all that entire year and, and some. And so I kind of feel like some of my relationships kind of loosened and became less important and like family became more important. And then when I came back, I was able to have some old friends, but I was able to make newer friends because I wasn't like smushed into a clique. People that I've known since 
elementary school? I would say that it didn't hinder anything, but it almost did. My whole treatment started like four months before COVID. So not only was I stuck at home with cyber classes to deal with, but I was pretty much isolated from all my friends. I had like next to no motivation to work and I was on the hinge of not making having enough credits to continue. But I was able to stick it through. So Colton, you finished on time, like with the original class you were set to graduate with. Yes, I did. I'm just saying that I was getting kind of close to being iffy. Yeah. Well, I think you had a really good excuse for that. Yeah. It's just everyone can imagine that the first couple of months of chemo, especially if you're on steroids and stuff like I was, it messes with your mental space like a little bit. Yeah. I got to give props to you for not taking any time off and, and just chugging through. That's a lot. Best thing you can do is just keep pushing on. How is celebrating this milestone different for you than it is for a peer or a friend without a cancer diagnosis? I think Colton is a good example. Uh, He had to battle treatment while also finishing his schoolwork, which just finishing your schoolwork alone stinks a lot of the time. Um, But doing it while you're sick is awful. So that's a really good feat. But any other examples of how graduating for you is different from someone who wasn't going through treatment or hadn't gone through treatment? I think the milestone is a little different for me because of the fact that I've had it. And it's not that it's not a big milestone for somebody who hasn't had cancer of any kind, but it's it's hard enough to get where we are graduation-wise, having a normal everyday, everything's fine. And you still got to work hard to get there. But for me personally, with having with, with then having the cancer just made me have to work that much harder to get to where I am today. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because the harder I work for something, the more eager I am to get it done and have it happen. I definitely say it feels more gratifying to know that I went through all that and was able to graduate. And I think it was kind of reflected with what people thought in the crowd too. People actually cheered for me when I walked across. I feel the same way. Like I have a bunch of friends who didn't go through this obviously but they were so frustrated with everything saying that it was just too much but um the fact that I had such a low survival rate from this and that I actually did something that is like a milestone just makes it makes my family really happy and myself really happy and my doctor actually sent me a message on my graduation day saying how proud he was so it it makes me happy that I actually did something that's worthwhile, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think it it really changes your perspective. I think overall, that's the biggest change because a high school graduation or college graduation is is a great feat for anyone ordinarily. And when you add getting sick and going through it during that or after that, it just changes your perspective on how fortunate you are to achieve that. Mary, do you think that had you not have gone through treatment, you wouldn't take a gap year and go cross country or go visit some states. I think that's pretty awesome. In a normal year, probably yes. But with coming out of the pandemic and not knowing what's next and how school is going to look like, I probably would. But I'm not sure because I still don't know what I really want to do. So I don't know if I jump into college right away or take a gap year or I don't know, honestly. I probably would because both my siblings have gone straight to college after high school and I wouldn't want to be different. So I probably would just jump in. I can say as someone that went through 
high school and immediately jump to college. I say, if Mary, if you feel like that's what you want to do, do it. I regret not taking more time to, to have that time, be able to explore and travel. I'm also biased because I love traveling, but I, I think that's awesome. And I say you should do it. I know you're, you're already going to do it, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Doing something different is what makes you who you are, right? If you were the same, exactly the same as someone else, you wouldn't be able to say, oh, that's her. That's it'd be the same person. You got to be different. It makes you who you are. I agree with what everyone's saying, but just the question at hand, like I've been, you know, reflecting and my brain has been going about my own graduation, especially from college, because for me, I was kind of realizing just now that it was a big part of, um, you know, in previous episodes, we've talked about how there's the person that you were before cancer and after cancer and how that person changes drastically. And for me, I reflect on my last semester of college was this semester where I came back in January ready to start the new semester and I didn't have my wig for the first time. And that was really big for me. And I I really felt like graduation meant to me that I was sort of closing the chapter in my life where I was healing and still suffering from my cancer, even though at that point it had been about a year and a half. I felt like my college experience, a lot of it was just healing and processing what had happened the year that I did receive treatment. And then when I, once it was time to graduate, it was like, it's time to say goodbye to the wig. It's time to say like really goodbye to who I was when I started college, which is different for everyone. But for me, it was a drastically different person and really like start this new chapter, my career, like was going to be affected by my diagnosis because it gave me more passion to do what I actually wanted to do. And for me, unfortunately, I didn't get the traditional graduation experience. I'm hoping that Penn State will put something on. But to me, that's sort of what it all meant. It was a lot, lot deeper than I think a lot of my peers could even really understand at the time. Brianna brings up um, a point that didn't make our list of prepared questions. But for those of you who were diagnosed um, during elementary, middle school, high school years, you could become known or throughout your whole school, school district as quote unquote, the cancer kid, but graduation and going on allows you to like, you know, that identity is no longer so kind of stuck to you. Does anybody thought about that and what that will be like to move into a space where nobody knows your history unless you share it with them? Personally, I was never really bothered by that. Honestly, if I meet somebody new, I'll, you know, go through the whole icebreaker stuff and go, yeah, I, I know I don't break five foot. Listen, I'm a childhood cancer survivor, but I don't let that define me. I will do whatever I feel that I need to do to be my own self. And I don't let that cancer have a role in who I am as a person. I, well, because I missed the whole eighth grade year. I remember getting some letters from some teacher that had their class write me letters. But then when I went back, people just like some people didn't even know or like I would have to tell them like oh I'm bald because I had cancer and they'd be like what what so that never not to discredit you but we do have a pretty big school that's true it's what you're saying is still very valid extraordinarily large school but I just remember thinking oh that's weird like people in like my middle school 
didn't know, even though I just thought it was odd that it was just interesting to me that some people were like, oh, wow, like, sorry about this happening, blah, blah, blah. And then some people were like, what? I don't know about that. I don't think I was ever the cancer kid to anybody else. Sometimes I'd be like, yeah, I'm the cancer kid, whatever. I stopped telling people about my cancer when I was in like third, second grade, because every time I told somebody, they would never talk to me again. They acted like it was contagious. So like they like they would spread the rumor and then nobody would talk to me. Like I would be sitting alone at lunch or whatever because nobody would talk to me because they were like, oh, it's cancer. It's contagious. So I stopped telling everybody at like second grade because second grade was when like our schools merged together. So only a few people knew and they didn't really tell anybody. So nobody really knew I had cancer until about senior year. And everyone was like, oh, that's interesting. Why didn't you ever tell me? And I'm like, well, I told you when we were in elementary school, but you acted so weird. I just stopped telling people. My experience is like not really like in school, but like in current time now, like when I when I was going through treatment and everything was when I was at like job, job number one, I guess. So obviously, like everyone, everyone knew there, like all our customers knew. But since then, like the year following, I got a new job and no one there knows because like, you know, I wasn't like during it. So like they weren't there when I was on leave and stuff. And like, I'm kind of hesitant to say something to them because I feel like it personally for me, it has, I feel like affected my job life, just like being thought of not only as like, the like the one who has cancer or whatever but like I feel like it in my experience like I've been thought of as like not as competent as I was before and stuff like that so it definitely makes me hesitant to tell if it would be if there would be an opportunity to tell that building off of what Bree said earlier about the before cancer self during cancer self that reminds me of the book we talked about the last podcast between two kingdoms and she refers to it as the three phases too as people refer to themselves in their life during those periods where there's before diagnosis. I refer to myself as BC before cancer Lexi. So it's BC Lexi and then during treatment. But like Shelly was saying, moving on from that stage in your life and I'm going into a new job. Those people don't know my history. They can't see any visible scars, so they don't know. But during when I returned to school after treatment, I tried to buy a wig and I just couldn't do it. It was itchy and I just hated it. And like, props to Brie for wearing one because that stuff's hard. And I just rocked the short hair and then the pixie. But I always felt like I had to explain myself to people because those who didn't meet me before, I look completely different. And your hair, especially as a woman, is a huge part of your identity. And it made me uncomfortable looking physically different than I was BC Lexi. And so I felt like the people in my new class and I joined the water polo team and I had to explain to them like, this is like what happened. And this is why I look like that because I had to, for myself, I just felt like I owed an explanation. Looking back, it sounds really stupid after what I went through. Nobody deserved an explanation. But just because my physical identity changed so much, I felt like I owed one. But now moving on, my hair is back to a normal length. I've graduated and I'm starting this new role. It is like a, a new way to start to move forward. And nobody has to know unless I share that with them, which I think I really appreciate that because it's not something that has to be posted everywhere. And it's something that if I feel comfortable sharing, I can. So I thought that was a really interesting point, Shelly, for you to bring up. And also, Brie, that you pointed out, because I feel like 
a lot of other people also refer to periods of their life based off of their illness or in relation to their illness, I should say. Does anybody else do that? To kind of contrast what you were saying, you say only women kind of base their hair off their identity. No, I men men do too, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Anyone being bald is going to be different. But I think as a guy, your hair can grow back in two or three months. For me, it took two and a half years. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm going to like kind of add off of that as I feel like I'm probably a year and a couple months out from growing my hair out again. And I still, I'm personally like, I'm, I don't look like what I used to look like. Like, it's still like, it's kind of like, if it's down to like boy shortcut kind of, but I know this adult male also who, who had cancer around like the same time that I did. And like, he looks totally normal now because his hair was before, like he had, like, obviously like he had hair, but it was, it was short already. So I understand that like point guys of view, I guess. Rock it. The guys rock it a lot better sometimes. Yeah. It's really never the same either. Like, I didn't know. Like, I was too young to realize my hair was falling out. Um, But my mom said, like, my mom would tell me, does tell me, like, it was different. Your hair was probably, your hair was darker. Your hair, it was thicker. It was, it's, it, it just changed completely once it fell out. And now it's, it's still dark, but it's lighter and it's, it's thinner, but still thick. But it just changes. You it's weird. Yeah. My hair changes a lot too. I was told mine got darker and it has very extreme curls that I can do nothing about. Yeah. I cannot control these curls unless I spend three minutes with a wet comb. They look great. I appreciate it. I remember, I remember when my hair started falling out and I would scare my dad and my sister by going, look, and just going like that. Cause it, I couldn't feel it. And it was just what, look, look at this. And they'd be like, Oh no, no, thank you. No, thank you. But I remember asking, Oh, when's my hair coming back? Once my hair, I'm not going to say blah, blah, blah again. Once my hair coming back, is it going to be the same? Is it going to be this? And they said, Oh, it depends. It affects everyone differently. Sometimes they say it comes back curlier, which obviously sometimes it does. We got two great examples here. It kind of didn't for a long time. And then I, I knew Tony, he had his hair. I knew he had, I didn't know what, I just knew, oh, Tony had cancer. I never really lost it. It got thinner and lighter. But with the radiation, I actually might lose it. And it's going to pain me because I'm going from something like this. (laughs) Where I also play ice hockey. So hair is kind of a natural phenomenon you get there. To right now, I'm I'm doing the shortcut. And if it gets to the point where it's going to fall out, I'm going to say, you know what, cancer? I'll give you the giant finger, get it all off. And I'll I'll have my dad do it. And I go, now, please don't cut yours. Because I want to look forward to it as, even if I don't have it right now, that's something I can potentially have in the future. But if I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I was like. I knew another, because there were like four kids in our school that had cancer. And they all had their hair back. And I was like, yeah, it'll just come back. So I kind of just let it come out. And it kind of didn't come back. I got... Grows in a patch on the back of my head for whatever reason, but everywhere else is kind of iffy. And I just let it grow as long as I could. And then at one point, I was like, "It's not. It's not coming back." So I just was like, "Boom!" Now it's great. I don't have to dry my head off after swimming. Aerodynamic. It's good for swimming. It's hydrodynamic. I always say the ladies love it. I don't know how much that is true, but I'm assuming it's true. And you don't have to say yes or no because it's true. You have a nice head shape. Yes. Well, and that's. 
people say that and they're like, oh, I could never go bald. I have a bad head shape. Like true. Some okay. people can. Well, and yes. Has anyone tried to paint on it? Like my teacher, I my teachers is bald or like not my art teacher, but one of my teachers in like middle school was bald. And I heard that they tried to take a paint marker or something uh, and try to write on their head. So two instances. The first one was, well, the second one didn't actually happen, but the first one we did a for the mini-thon on the 12th of March, like the day before everything shut down or whatever. No, it was the week before. It was the 6th of the 7th. We were at Minithon and I have a tattoo pen, like a marker. And so we wrote Minithon on my head and it was like, I was like, look, Minithon. <laughs> and then for the pep rally, which was the day or two before, because I'm on the bowling team, I was like, guys, we should, I'll bring my marker and we can put three dots on my head so I can be a bowling ball and you guys can stand over there and I can I can run at you and do a strike but that didn't happen which is unfortunate because it would have been really funny that would have been funny I think I kept saying around Halloween I was going to go as Aang from Avatar and I think Lexi has a story about that as well if I remember correctly I said Nathan could be Mr. Clean for Halloween oh yeah or Howie Mandel I did a Howie oh it could, okay. You could definitely pull off Howie. <laughs> I have to share something, but you were about to say something. So you go first, Alexi. Oh, I was just, I said you could be uh, Mr. Clean for Halloween. And um, I, I was a Howie Mandel once. I was also 11 from Stranger Things when my hair was growing back. And I also did a Mr. Clean photo op and Avatar. So definitely. Uh, we all know Mike Tyson. Yeah. So I was at the Hampton Family Fun Night Fair with the face paint. And so I went up to the girl, probably doesn't do face paint for a living, but I was like, can you, can you do this? And I showed her a picture of Mike Tyson. And so there's a very nice picture of me with the, the tribal tattoos all up on my face. I always joke at my mom saying, I'm going to get the tribal tattoos. And she says, no, you're not. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm not going to. Don't tell her though. What lessons from your cancer experience or what have you learned from your treatment that helped you reach graduation or get that goal or or even taught you what you wanted to do next for instance mary realized she wants to take a gap year which i think should be a requirement for everybody but what has going through treatment taught you in order to reach your goals i'll share a little example i went into nursing not knowing i wanted to do nursing i was pretty sure i was going to switch out of it and then when i was diagnosed and i went through six months of treatment with my nurses i found a real passion for it you said how it uh, helped you to, I guess, really discover what you want to do. So for me, I had a, um, a make-a-wish to go go down to see a Philadelphia Flyers game. Got to do quite a bit more. Uh, I'll spare the details. Long story short, it really helped open my eyes to realize that there's a whole, whole other world to sports other than just being an athlete, which helped me to, to signify distinguish what I want my uh, major to be for college to be sports management because I've always been told I'm, I'm very much a people person so I'll do something possibly in the uh, public relations for anything to do with sports team really I'm just happy to be involved it just really kind of opened my eyes to that whole world. One of the things that became apparent over the course of my treatment was that like family is really important and it's I would consider family to be not just like blood relations, but it's also 
people that are going to help you out in times of need, like friends and family friends, and just not necessarily people who are blood related. Because if someone's going to take their time, go out of their way and help you, why wouldn't you consider them family? And so that became apparent to me over the course of treatment with people like sending things for like money for helping on gas and all that. And people coming and sending gift bags and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, oh, I got more people than I know about thinking about me. I think what my treatment has taught me about life, I guess, because like I had treatment after the fact of education is just that I don't want to do what I studied. I have a degree in political science. And before I was like, kind of like in the process of getting a job in it, like I've only ever had internships in it. Um, So it was kind of like, yeah, I like it. I'm getting a job in it, blah, blah, blah. And like, I feel like now it's kind of like, no, I don't even want to do that. And people are like, just go back to school. And I'm like, I don't want to do that either. So I'm kind of figuring, figuring things out. Politics are a mess anyway. Sydney, are you going to college this fall? Yeah, I'm going to Penn State Altoona. Are you going to do the two and two? That's my plan, but um, I haven't really decided yet. <laughs> what is the two and two? Two years at a satellite or branch and then two years at Maine. Oh, okay. You're going to be great, Cindy. That's kind of what I'm going with, Hack. Going there for my first two to get the academic stuff out of the way. Potentially going to Penn State Harrisburg for the main objective. So. I'll be going to Susquehanna for the four years, but I'm going to be commuting for the first one or two. That's a bit of a commute. Half hour for me. It's not far. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. You're right. You don't live where I live. So, yeah, it's a, I can't base it off of that. It's about 45 minutes to Hershey where I live, and it's a half hour going the other way. It's mostly highway. To go back to the question, um, I would definitely say that my diagnosis and treatment was really pivotal in figuring out what I wanted to do. I was diagnosed the semester of my first junior year, but I ended up doing an extra year. So call it my sophomore year. I was about halfway done with my degree. um, And I kept going back and forth. I mean, like I kind of was my whole life if I wanted to go the science route or if I wanted to go the art route. Um, And I went the science route when I was, you know, in school, I'd gotten through all of those like really hard pre-med classes And then I was diagnosed and I went through treatment. And I think a lot of times the stories we hear about when it comes to cancer can sometimes be, especially like if we're all exposed to Thon, they're very positive. We don't hear about a lot of what I was seeing. A lot of the kids who don't have parents with them because their parents have to go work or a lot of experiences that are honestly too horrific to even talk about in the public that I saw happening to kids around me while I was getting treatment. And mentally for me, that was really difficult to deal with, but it also sort of enraged me that I felt like cancer was misrepresented within every television show I saw, every movie I saw, all the symptoms that I thought I was going to have did not have, you know, like I didn't grow up one time during my treatment. The amount of awful things that were happening and people had no idea at all. It really half enraged me, but also half gave me passion and made me realize that if I was a doctor, I could impact my patients really well with my own health experience. But if I somehow could get into 
media aspect, like I could impact society with how not only cancer is represented, but how critical illnesses are represented and make that more transparent. And so that when patients are experiencing these difficult times that aren't talked about, they can, you know, watch a show or read a story or something that is actually more relating to what they're going through. And then on the other side of it, if society is better informed of what's actually going on, then society can better support people when they're going through these illnesses. And that was, I would have never realized that unless I had gone through the experience that I did. And unless become, my mom always says that she wishes that we weren't on the floor that I was on. We didn't go to the hospital that I went to because we saw such terrible things happening to people with cancer. And then she thinks if we went elsewhere, like it just, we wouldn't have seen so many people at like their last chance of treatment, if that makes sense. Um, but for me, it was like, while it still like hurts to know that's happening, it really ignited a passion in me and it made me pick up another degree um, when I went back to college. And so I pursued, pursued those two degrees and I'm still looking for a way to be doing exactly what I want to be doing. And I know that I will be for a while, but like overall, I at least have a reason to be grateful that this happened to me specifically while I was like halfway through my college degree. Um, and it really did change my entire path in college. I'd just like to say going off of that, I always kind of saw the silver lining in when I was first undergoing treatment, we would always have a open kind of room that you could always draw the curtain back on if you wanted more privacy. But it was always, you got to know the people around you and they became sort of like a family in a sense. So it was, you know, you'd get to know people and it was just nice to see a friendly face and a familiar face that was always there. I wouldn't say that treatment itself affected my major choice. It just gave me more time to think. There's all the stuff I went through gave me more time to think in early this year. Before my treatment, I was read between science or technology for my major in college. I made some kind of coding versus like physics. But then I kind of I was never really concretely sure about doing one of those. I didn't really know what I'd be doing as a job. But then I kind of thought or a little bit before school year ended, that I could do writing because I always was able to do essays without rough drafts and they came out pretty well. And I found out that apparently I have a, a decent skill for it. So I applied for the creative writing major in Susquehanna and got it. So I thought of this question. I actually worked night shift last night. I'm about to go in for another one, but I woke up from the middle of my sleep, like trying to think of more questions for today. And the one that came up to me was, who was the one person that helped you get through treatment or encouraged you to do as much as you can and achieve your goal. Basically, who's your rock? I mean, you could probably, you probably, everyone has a lot of rocks, but my number one rock was my dad through treatment. Just knowing that I had his support, he was my go-to. Not necessarily through treatment, just because I was so young that I feel like the community was kind of very supportive of me, but throughout just like life and like school and everything, my sister is my rock. We're like best friends. We're six years apart. She's 23. But I've always followed in her footsteps. Like she went to Penn State Altoona first. And she did two plus two. And everything that she does, I just, I admire her. So I'm like, I want to create my own path, which I am. But I do look up to her and she kind of just gets me through every day. My community was very, very supportive of my family because I had four other siblings at home. And my youngest brother was six months when I got diagnosed. So it was, they were very, very supportive. 
But my main rock, I'd have to say, would probably be my mother. She went up to all the treatments with me. She was with me for most of my MRIs. If she wasn't there, my father was. So they would probably be my rocks. But my community also buckled around me, like Sydney said. I feel like mine is going to sound a lot more negative, but like it's good in turn. Um, Throughout my treatment, I honestly like it really you know, as we've discussed before, it really showed me like who was there for me and who wasn't. And like, I saw sides of people that I wish I'd never seen, but I learned through my treatment that like, I was my own rock. Like at the end of the day, the only person I could always count on myself being there was myself. Like, I remember waking up every day, just being so depressed and like telling myself, like, I have to get through this day. Like, no, like this is, a time in my life where I'm my own rock and I will get through this, whether my best friend's there for me or not, and so on and so on. My rocks were my parents, but for the most part, it was my mom because she was the one that was always, I had to go every Monday for a, I don't remember, blood draws or something. And she was all, almost always there on every Monday. And then my dad was there. He would, he would be the one to report back to her, like, as if she was like the general, right? Running everything. And she was the one that spent the most nights with me. I don't, I don't think I ever spent a night alone. I probably did, but I don't remember that. But like, she was the one that was almost always the one there. I think my dad spent a couple nights, but for the most part, it was her and she just kept me going. So yeah, I'd say my rock was my mother. Not to discredit my dad or siblings because they were super supportive, but my biggest rock was also my mom. She was a nurse, so she was usually able to tell when something was off with me and would said if we needed to go into the hospital. For example, if my hemoglobin was low, she would be the first person to point out that I was, uh, was pale and would ask me to drink water or something like that to make sure that I'm okay. She also, I believe, spent the most time with me in the hospital through all the painful times I've I've had to sit in there, but she stuck through with me no matter what. Those two things combined, she was definitely the biggest support for me throughout my treatment. Ongoing, too. So I kind of have a combined three here. My, both my parents and uh, also kind of the community. My parents, because they were always there for me, very supportive no matter what. My mom's a uh, physical therapist assistant. And half the time when we're talking about meds and stuff at appointments with just dad and I, it's all going right over our heads. So mom knows what she's talking about a good bit. And the other reason I say my community is because in hockey, hockey's always been my coping strategy, my way just to put it all outside of what's going on and just get away from it. And as you start to play with the same kids over and over again, you just get tight-knit family almost and they're there for you through thick and thin my rock I choose like my parents but more so my mom because she was always there for every treatment every day I was in the hospital but like also my dad because I had an older brother and a younger sister and it was always really difficult for him he always tried to be there as much as he could but yet be there for my other siblings. I would say that my rocks, I, I'll, I'll just say two that, that I can think of off the top of my head. 
One would be my then boyfriend, now husband, who was at every appointment, was at every chemo, was at everything right next to me going, going through it with me. His support made it, made it feel like I could get through it because he honestly believed I could. Even on days where I was like, I ain't going to get through this. And he was like, like, heck you aren't, you're getting through it. So having that type of, having that type of uh, attitude. I also want to shout out my oncologist was my second rock because if anyone believed that I was going to get through it and was very confident and kept telling me so that I was going to, and I quote, get through this and move on with my life. It was my oncologist. So it was really good to hear. Definitely was the we are a team. I'm not an island into all these things. And it was really confident to hear as someone that I'm very big into science very big into, you know, how things work and was very, very, and also slowed down and talked to me like a person, which I appreciated because I've had experiences where medical professionals have talked to me like, like I'm going to be the next research study that they're doing. And uh, not, not, not a big fan of that. So, but I would say those two are my, my top rocks. I also don't want to discredit anyone because there were a lot of people that were there for me. But one person that kind of sticks out is my friend, Katie. Like we went to, we went to high school and college together and we've been like best friends ever since. She wasn't always physically there because she's a professional dancer. She like, I think at the time she was dancing full, I don't know, some of you in park, I don't remember which one, but out doing that. And like, it was like, you know, a conversation like back and like, I wasn't involved, but she was like, you know, I felt so bad. Like I was gonna, like, I was gonna like drop everything and like, just like move back home. And like, I tell her now, like, no, like I'm glad you didn't. Cause I'd be like, so mad at you if you did that. But anyway, she's just like, I don't know that person. Like we both understand each other. And there was this one night she spent the night with me and it was when I was like, really not there. And I was just like, <laughs> I was very attached at that point. And I was like, no, you can't leave. Like, you're not allowed to leave me. Who, who will be here with me? And like she was on her way to work. She had to have like the nurse come in and distract me while she like ran out. But I don't know. She was just there for me, whether she was physically there or not. Emily, you made me feel like I have to also shout out my grandma as my rock. She's definitely my rock too. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until, Until next time. time.